Luke chapter 2, verse 11. We do good, doing good? I know it's Saturday, but we're, we're, you know, wherever you gather, two or three, Jesus is here in the midst of us, right? So, um, verse 11, there, for there, this is the angel speaking to shepherds, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Here's the sign. You're going to find a baby. He's going to be laying where cows eat. And he's going to be wrapped with cloths that they wrap the lambs with. When lambs are born... In order to protect them from the cold, they'll sometimes wrap them in these cloths, you know. So you're going to see a baby. He's going to be down in Bethlehem. He's going to be in a manger. He's going to be wrapped with cloth. That's a sign to you. Um, I don't know about you, but um, have you ever just needed a sign from God? Sometimes... You just, we just want a sign. And um, it's kind of like, I, I, know, I know that this is all by faith, but God, if you would like just do something like give me a rainbow or over at the mall when the place is packed, if you just give me a parking space. Just give me a sign that you know I exist, I'm here, so that I know that you are there. We're human. We all we like to have a sign. Sometimes we wonder if God cares, if God sees. Uh, just give us a sign. This message today is what sign? Question mark. Uh, Carrie, can you put that uh, first slide up? on the uh, PowerPoint. Did I give it to you? I can't see it. Oh, you can see it. I can't see it. So that would be the under screens, stage screen. Change it over to sermon instead of lyrics or whatever. Worship. Yeah, you got it. I don't have it. Okay. Anyways. Um I do have, I even have notes today. <laughs> yeah, all right. We'll, we'll just work with it. All right. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, and this will be a sign to you. Um, at times we pray. There you go. Thank you. We, at times we pray, you know, God, could you just give us a sign? Could you just show us uh, that you're there, that you care? And to the shepherds, God gave this amazing sign, and uh, he spoke to them. We're going to talk about those shepherds in just a moment. But what sign really is God thinking about when he announced to these shepherds, or better yet, let me just say it this way, if we could just hear what the shepherds heard knowing their culture, knowing their day and their world, and the times that they were at synagogue, and those three times a year that they came into Jerusalem, 
If they could just put all that together and think about what the prophets had said, what would the shepherds hear that we don't hear? Um, we're sometimes a little bit uh, persuaded by Hallmark and, um, you know, other beautiful uh, representations of love and romance and you know, there's something nostalgic about seeing a little baby in a manger, and it's like, it's so cruel. They shouldn't be there, you know. Babies probably shouldn't even be out in this weather, let alone born in a manger, you know. So, you, you know, the thing is that we, w there's something that resonates, and, and, and it starts this thing about children. And how many of you realize that the way we celebrate Christ Christmas mostly often has to do with children. If it's not our children or grandchildren, it's thinking of when we were children. So I'd like to go back and just say, okay, what sign was it really that these shepherds were supposed to see and get? Because the, the shepherd got pretty excited. They, they went and it says with joy. With joy, they went to go see. They were ecstatic. So they heard something more than, you know, what we would. Ex Maybe we've heard it so many times that that's part of what goes on. Yes. We just have heard it so many times. And we think about this poor little baby, poor little Jesus. And there was no room for him. Think about poor Mary. She had to deliver anyone who's ever delivered a child. I personally have not. I've been there when they have happened. But, you know, the, the thing about it is that w we think about the surroundings, and there's just a lot of things that make it difficult and makes it seem to us that the big deal was this is a terrible way to start life, you know, and God sent his son this way. And that's supposed to be a sign to us, but the sign is so much deeper than that. And I, I, I really want to go back and just think about this for a moment. What is the sign that God wanted those shepherds to see in all of that? Because I, I got to be honest with you, Jesus, later in his ministry, he will say something that I have struggled with. The scribes and the Pharisees came to Jesus one day and they said, just show us a sign. Do a miracle in front of us. Let us see you heal someone let us see you raise some, someone from the dead. Let us see a sign. And if we see that sign, then we'll believe that you're the Messiah. And Jesus, being Jesus, said an evil and adulterous people search for signs. And he said, and there will be no sign given to you except the sign of Jonah which is, as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, so will the Son of Man be, and then he'll rise again. So when he talks, he, he's saying, I, I'm not going to give you the sign that you want, but the sign I'm going to give you is going to be something they couldn't fathom yet. So if I ask the Lord for a sign and I think of Jesus saying that, then I have to say, okay, let's, let's, let's just back up a little bit and say, what sign do you want me to see that would cause me to believe? What sign is it 
that you want me to understand, and that should build my faith. Does that make sense? That's where I want to go with this today, if you don't mind. In our series that we had started a couple of weeks ago on the firstborn, uh, Israel's long journey from Egypt, and I started in Exodus 13, where in Exodus 13, God says to um, Moses, and Moses communicates to the people, he said, I've got to tell you several things. One is, this is the first day of your new year. Mark this day. And that day was the day that they were going to leave from Egypt. And Moses heard this, and he didn't quite get it all, didn't quite understand it all, but he communicated to, to the people what God had said. And, and God told him up front, he said, this is what I want you to do. <clears throat> I want you to take a lamb. I want you to slay that lamb. I want you to take the blood and I want you to paint it around the door of your house. And then I want you to go in the house and I want you to eat that lamb together, roasted, eat it together as a family. Stay in the house. And let me just tell you what's going to be happening while you're eating this meal in your blood adorned house is that a demon, a death angel that God gave authority is going to come sweeping through the land and any house that doesn't have that blood applied, the firstborn male would die of children and of cattle, sheep, flocks. So Israel obeys. They go into their house they eat their lamb together. And down in Israel, uh, down in uh, Egypt, the death angel went through and visited every house from the lowest house all the way to Pharaoh's house and slaughtered all the firstborn males. My son David is right there. He would be my firstborn. And so then what I am supposed to do with that understanding is that as is, is, is Pharaoh threatened Israel's firstborn, God took Egypt's firstborn. And there was a great cry in the land. You can't imagine, we can't imagine what that was like. And, and then God tells Moses, he said, now here's the thing, is when you come out of the house every year, I want you to mark this date. And you're going to mark the time when the death angel passed over your house. It didn't visit you because the blood was applied. And so here's the deal. You owe me your firstborn. The firstborn belonged to me, God says. It was life for life. I gave them life, you give them back to me. So there's going to be a law, and it's called the law of the firstborn. And that is that every firstborn male born unto Israel would either enter the priesthood and the service of God, or they would be redeemed by silver. So Moses said, there's going to come a time, Israel, when your children will be celebrating the Passover with you, and they're going to say, what is this? What does this mean? 
And why do we practice this? Why do we do this? And you are going to tell your son <clears throat> with a strong hand, God delivered us. In one night, a whole nation was born as Israel came out of their blood-adorned houses. They were a new nation, and they walked away into freedom. And they crossed the Red Sea, and the people they feared never, ever threatened them again. God delivered with a great and mighty hand. So then God says to them, so here's the thing. is There's going to be this thing. It's called the law of the firstborn. And I say to my son, I redeem my firstborn and I slaughter the firstborn of my flocks and offer them to God. Unless it's a donkey. And you can redeem your donkey. It's God just being humorous. Because every manger scene I've ever seen had a donkey nearby. Okay, so the thing is that your son asked you this. And then, and then, and then he, you have to explain to your son. And by the way, so we've got Passover, we've got firstborn, and then you can't eat Passover unless your males are circumcised. So you've got circumcision, you've got Passover, and you've got the law of the firstborn. Those three things. And you're supposed to say to your son, we do this because God delivered us. And then he says, I want you to wear that knowledge between your eyes and on your wrist. And then Israel would eventually create what they call phylacteries. And they would literally wrap scriptures around their hand and literally wrap them around their head. But God never actually commanded that. He says, I want this to be to you the sign. This is the sign that you need to know. You, you need to have this understanding. Like this needs to filter the way you look at the world. This needs to filter the way you look at life. This needs to filter everything you do with your hands and your work, your labor. This is the filter. This is the sign. And from that sign, God kept Israel. In time, they asked for a king. God gave them a king. And then he rejected that king, and he gave them another king, David. Then David says, God, I'm so upset because I live in a house of cedar and ivory, and you live in a tent. I want to build you a temple. God says, uh, you will not build me a temple. He says in Chronicles that the reason that you won't build me a temple was because you're a man of bloodshed. You've been a warrior and you've shed so much blood and killed so many men. And that man will not build my house. But your son will, Solomon, your son will. And then God says to him something else. He says, and furthermore, I want you to understand that it's not going to be you building me a house. It's going to be me. I'm going to build you a house. Because you're a man after the heart of God. You contain in your heart the essence of true worship that I'm looking for. You're the kind of prototype that I'm looking for in humanity. Your relationship with me has captured my heart and my attention. 
So he, you are a man after my heart, and so I just want to do this for you. I want to honor you. In as much as you wanted to honor me, I want to honor you, and I'll build you a house, and I promise that you'll never lack a descendant sitting upon a throne. It'll be forever. In Israel's history and time, of course, they turned away from God and rebelled, and on several occasions, they were carried away into captivity again. And they lost their king. And in fact, in those 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, Alexander the Great came through and destroyed Israel. And, and, and then there was the Romans. They came through and much blood was shed. We, we just don't fully capture all the history that takes place between the close of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But in that time period, they were without a king. And God said to David that he would never lack a descendant on the throne. So when shepherds are in the middle of their flock, and they're out there tending them, which, by the way, shepherds were rejected by most people. They worked with smelly animals, and they smelled like the smelly animals. The other thing that the shepherds did that was not really cool, but it was committed. It was something that was considered culturally acceptable. And that is, as they're moving their flocks from one open pasture to another, they could go through your farmland. And it was permissible for the shepherds to come and let their flocks graze along the outside edge of your farm. So the sheep ate everything in sight. So they're, they're traveling from one area to the other. They just So the thing is, like, we would just rather keep our shepherds out there away from us because they're smelly. And their sheep destroy our, our crops, and we just don't want them around. So shepherds were out in the field most of the time. Three times in the year, they had to get a bath and come in and celebrate Jehovah their God. So they understood the prophecies, and they understood Israel's history, but they're very much outcasts. Interestingly, God chooses the shepherds to be the one he would announce to the birth of Jesus. And this symbolism is all a part of the sign. So these guys are not expecting anything. They've not seen a Hallmark channel. They've not seen the Christmas story. They just were trying to keep their flocks alive. And they're out there, and suddenly we read in Luke chapter 2, came to pass in those days when a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Census, right? <clears throat> this census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went and registered everyone to their own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee. It's uphill down in... It's up in elevation. It's down in, uh, you know, on the map. 
Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there that the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there were no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch of their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were greatly afraid. You would be too. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known saying, the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. So in that message there, we get the picture of God visiting through the angels, the shepherds, and announcing the birth of his son. So what happens to the shepherds when they hear this message? They hear about the Savior. They hear about Bethlehem. And the dots are starting to be connected in their minds. Bethlehem means house of bread. With one little letter changed in the Hebrew, it's house of meat. So a lot of people say that Bethlehem is the house of meat because that's where the slaughter lambs came from. But some people say, no, 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 it's the house of bread. How many of you know that Jesus Christ is the, the bread of life, you know, and he is the meat that would be slain for the sins of the world? Here's what the shepherds would have heard is in the city of David, Bethlehem. And that's where Mary and Joseph were going. But everybody who was going to Bethlehem, everyone was a descendant of David. That's why they were going there. They were going there to register. So what happens in their mind? Where did David come from? Bethlehem. What was David? A shepherd. Okay. So God says, I'm going to take you from following the flocks, David, and I'm going to make you lead the flock of Israel. So David was a shepherd king. So we're going to the house of David. 
We're going where the shepherds go. We're going to go where the lambs are. We're going to go where the bread is raised in the city of David. Then, then they hear this, this phrase, a savior. Now they would hear deliverer. In other words, there's someone like Moses who is now in Bethlehem. You should go see him. And then they say, okay, but he is Christ the Lord, which means this is the Messiah we've been waiting. David's son that has not come to sit on the throne, David's son is the Messiah, the forever king, the king whose kingdom will never end, the king whose throne will never, ever fall or fail. That king is David's son. So he's in Bethlehem. He's a deliverer. In fact, he is Christ Jesus the Lord. And he's in a manger where he is surrounded by animals. She's bringing forth her firstborn. There were lambs. There were goats. There were flocks. There were cows, the things that we, it speaks of sacrifice. We've got the firstborn son. We've got firstborn animals. We've got sacrifice. We've got Messiah in a manger. What are they hearing? They're hearing there's a new shepherd that has come. He is a new king. He's after the kingdom of David. He is a virgin's firstborn. They wouldn't really know that, but, you know, the, the prophets would tell us that. No one could look at Mary and say, you're a virgin, aren't you? You know, she has a child, you know. No, no one was getting that. That was not the sign to the shepherd. The sign was all of the pictures and all the memories of the firstborn, of the Passover, of the Exodus, of a brand new Exodus. The tyrant would not be Pharaoh. The tyrant would be sin. The tyrant would be sin and death and the destruction. These shepherds were hearing that if we go to Bethlehem, we're going to find this child, and that child is going to be a deliverer, and that child will bring about a brand new exodus. Would you please stand with me? I know it's cold. Let you warm up a little bit. There's an exodus that comes when a man calls upon the name of the Lord, believing in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We are exited out of darkness. We are brought into light. There's an exodus that is coming for all the people of God. A future date could be in 2023, could still be in 2022. Who knows when? But the Lord is returning. Jesus is the deliverer. He is the Savior. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And these shepherd 
who were rejected by so many people, they could see it. They could get it. They could understand. This is like Moses again. This is like Passover again. This is like an exodus again. And ironically, scribes and Pharisees later could not see it, which is why Jesus would say, an evil and adulterous generation is looking for a sign. In other words, Jesus is saying, the sign's already been given to you. You don't need another one. What you need to do is to believe the one that was given to you. We're going to celebrate communion here in just a moment and end the service. But before we do that, I just want to point this out to you. When you need a sign, remember this. It's very simple. Moses and Israel had two primary signs. They had the exodus from Egypt, and the crossing of the Red Sea. All the Psalms and all the Proverbs, I'm sorry, all the songs and all the prophets spoke of, spoke of those two events. They always recalled those two events, being delivered from Egypt, crossing the Red Sea. What God has done through Jesus Christ has given us two brand new signs. It's the death and the resurrection. It's the cross and the empty grave. Whenever you need a sign, on your most dark day, on the time when you are least filled with faith, you've got more fear than anything, and you need a sign, never forget the cross and the empty grave. That is enough to get us through. Jesus Christ is the new deliverer. He is the one who sets free the world from its sins. So all that a man has to do is simply look to him and they will live. One more prophecy. God told Israel, he said, look, the day is coming when the law will not be written on scrolls or on stones, but I'll write the law of God in your heart with the finger of God, by the Spirit of God. And in that day, you will serve me from your heart. That day has come. That day has come. When I open up my heart and say, Jesus, forgive me. Pour out your spirit on me. Lead me. Guide me. Oh, one more thing. David, a man after God's own heart, David's son, Jesus Christ, not a man after God's heart. He had God's heart. He came with God's heart. Inside of Jesus was the heart of God. So Israel, God has been faithful. He's kept his word. He's been honest. 
He is faithful and true. These are the days when God will write his law on your heart and fill you with his spirit. And grace of all graces, the uncircumcised, the Gentiles are included. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to know the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that a man can know him by faith. And I pray right now for those inside this room, those who are watching online, that if there is some sense that I need a sign from God, Lord, give them the sign of the cross and the empty tomb. Jesus is Lord. Surrender to him. You can do that right now. Just surrender to him right now. The Lord Jesus Christ begin to deliver you. I call out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, every besetting sin, everything that trips you and grips you and has its bondage on you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood will wash away your sin. The blood will set you free. You'll come out of your house a new person, a new nation of people after the heart of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, there isn't an addiction, there isn't an, an affliction, there isn't an oppression that Jesus can't deliver from. And I believe that the Spirit of God sent me here today to announce to you deliverance. Your deliverance is here today. Everything you need is in this room, right here, now. Deliverance. Call on the Lord, He will deliver you. Call on the Lord, He will set you free. Call on the Lord, and you'll exit the room. A new man, a new woman in Christ, the Lord sets you free. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I have such a strong sense that the Spirit of God is here to break yokes in it. He's here to set people free. He's here to set us free from the lies that have gripped us and the fear that has tripped us. He's here to set us free because he is God with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this sign. The signs are there if we'll open our eyes. Lord, give us eyes that see. Give us ears that hear. Give us hearts that receive. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to ask you to just put your hand on someone's shoulder. And would you just pray over them? Say, God, just reveal yourself to my friend right now. You're here to set us free. You're here to set us free. You're here to set us free. Hallelujah. Maybe then just turn the other way, the other direction, and put a hand on someone's shoulder and say, the Lord is here to set us free. He's here to set you free. I pray over you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
There are fathers in this room that God is giving you steel in your back right now. He is giving you backbone, a strength to stand, to stand, to stand for Jesus Christ, to stand with him. Stand with Jesus. Hallelujah. There's moms that are here that are discouraged and you've lost vision. And the Spirit of God would say to you, pray Mary's prayer. Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Hallelujah. Set your people free. Hallelujah. Jesus, hallelujah. You may be seated for just a moment. We're going to move into the communion time. If you didn't pick up a cup on your way in, um, let's just uh, get those passed around if we could. John, could you just go grab some? So just raise your hand. We'll, we'll get them to you. If you didn't, didn't get one of these when you came in here, hallelujah. While you're getting yourself ready, and those of you watching online, why don't you just join us in communion? Whatever you have that um, is available to you. I ju we're just talking about this. Like, in one sense, how formal do you have to be? Do, do you have uh, saltine crackers in your house, you know? Do you have uh, some juice, some water, something, you know? Just... Um, <clears throat> Prepare yourself to join with us as we partake of communion together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Judy and I, I, I just want to, my, my, my world is a roller coaster and my faith keeps me, you know, even. But Judy and I, you know, I had a privilege yesterday of visiting someone in the hospital dying from cancer. Simple man, wonderful person. In one sense, we need very, very little. And right now, he would trade with us anything that we think we're missing right now, you know. He would trade anything for more life. We prayed for his healing, but at the end of it all, we know that this man came to a worship service many years ago. We were out in a park. We were worshiping together at the taking all the equipment and all the people down and worshiped in the park. And he came, he heard the music, he heard the worship. He came to the worship service and he accepted Jesus Christ as his savior. If God does not grant him life, God has already given him eternal life. And we converse we prayed 
And I was able to look him in the eye and say, it's, it's, it's your body that's attacked, but nothing can take eternal life from you. You will live. You will live. You will live. Also had the privilege of visiting Astrid and Didier in their home. Gave them a loaf of cinnamon bread. There's healing in every bite, you know. Didier is walking with a walker. Hallelujah. Last time I was there, he's still in a wheelchair. He's walking with a walker. If we were meeting tomorrow, he would have come to church. Couldn't come today. But he'll be here. He'll walk in. That's how good God is. He gives life more abundantly. Would you please take this element of the Lord's broken body, put it in your hand. Now, I want you to hear this because Passover is connected to what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. When the hour came, he, Jesus, sat down with his 12 apostles around him, and he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He knows he's going to be the Passover lamb. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among yourself. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is broken or given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. When your son comes to you and says, what is Passover? What is the firstborn? What is circumcision? You tell him, because with the strong hand, the Lord delivered us. Jesus is now saying, will you remember me and the new Passover, the new Exodus, when you eat this, when you drink this, remember me. Remember me. Father, we pray your blessing on this representative, this symbol of your body that was broken and shed blood for us. You died as our firstborn. You died as our redemption. And the death angel has passed over us. Shall we partake together of the Lord's broken body? Likewise, take the cup and put it in your hand. blood that was shed for us it wasn't applied 
to our home, the doorpost and the lintel. The scriptures tell us that the blood was poured out in heaven by the eternal spirit of God. So in the heavens, the blood of Jesus Christ is still wet. In the heavens, in heaven, the blood of Jesus Christ is still our Red Sea, washing and cleansing, separating us, delivering, freeing us. And the enemies who once sought to kill us will never see again because of the blood of Jesus Christ the death angel has no authority over me over us let's partake together